Last week on Tiahika, we looked at well-being, how some of us describe happiness and what it means to us. We heard from Dr. Waikari Mwana Waitoki, a clinical psychologist who specialises in mental health and who works as a research officer in the Māori and Psychology Research Unit at the University of Waikato. We looked at what makes Māori happy. We asked singer-songwriters Ria Hall and Rob Ruha. This week we put the question to Master Chef winners, authors and TV travel hosts, sisters Karina and Casey Bird. Mm, what makes me happy? Um, I think the thing that makes me the most happy is when my whanau is happy. Yeah, so I, we still live in a cul-de-sac where we all live next door to each other. So um, it's like when we're all sitting at home and my dad's like talking to us because we're learning te reo Māori this year and he's like talking to us and saying like, oh, your reo's picking up and then my mum's like really proud of us for learning Māori and we're eating a nice kai. I think that's when I'm my most happy, when all of us are just really awesome. all together. Um, yes, yeah, so I think I'm similar to Karina in terms of if my whanau's happy and really proud of what we do, then I just get this really kind of amazing, I don't know, fulfilment from that. And then I think other than that, some of my happiest moments have been when Karina and I have been able to go to some amazing restaurants and <laughs> yes. eat kai. I think for me, because kai isn't just filling your stomach, but I think like the stories, the memories, mm. it tells the story of, um, you know, wherever you're eating or what that country is like or what their history has been like there. And I think, you know, ev- the amazing thing about food is everybody eats. And so I think to be able to share a little bit of somebody else's culture through Kai, that makes me feel really, really good. So our favourite things are our family being happy and eating at Michelin star restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) Balance. So when you you, um, go through the process of, um, you know, Kai gathering, shopping, cooking and serving, Mm. there must be a sense of a process of happiness. Oh, I don't know about the shopping. I find that quite stressful. (laughs) But um, I think one of the best, one of the things that I love best, or doing best, is like taking those recipes from my um, queer kroa and reinventing them and then like serving them to people and like having our heritage on the plate and being able to explain that story. So I definitely like not just feeding people, but like teaching them about where we come from, who we are and like this land that we're from. I think that's like such a fulfilling feeling. Yeah, I feel really happy when I'm able to serve a dish and then have all of the things that I was trying to, I guess, um, share through that dish and people understand that message or understand the flavours or the cordial behind it just from being able to taste it and experience it, you know, with people they care about as well. I think when you, like, we cook a dinner or an event and we, like, kind of hide at the back and then we look out and people, like, laughing and having a good time, you kind of think... I feel really happy and grateful that I was a part of creating that experience for those people. In keeping with the theme of well-being, Tiahika heads to Rotorua. I'm with Chef Charles Royal. Yeah, let's go for a walk. Hi. I'm here in the Nahere, or the bush. Chef Charles is my guide. He's here almost every day, either gathering food or running his guided food tours as part of his Māori cuisine business, Kinaki. Coming up, Charles Royal talks about wellness, rungoa Māori, 
sustainability and his aspirations of sharing his knowledge. That's coming up in this week's edition of Te Ahika. Kuri kuri po po yao yao, takiri mai tata, rahiringa manuiti no awatea, kauka kawatea, tihei mauri ora. Ko mi atu te wairu e te mauri ke tēnei awa i o matua kore. Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. A well-known saying about the benefits of good kai. The forest on the edge of Lake Rotoiti is Henehopu, right beside Matafaurua Mountain. This area, for Charles, is considered a pātaka kai, or a source of good food. Charles began his career as a chef in the army at just 15 years old. Since that time, he's owned restaurants on the Kapiti Coast, in Auckland and Rotorua. With a passion for Māori cuisine, nature, rungoa and plants, Charles says he is always learning. This is where I do food tours and take um, tourists and guests for a walk and talk about all the nahere and what's um, what's, uh, medicinal and what's edible and what's poisonous. Now, we've, it's been five years since the show was here. Has this particular ngahiri changed at all? Are there, is it still um, a thriving provider of, of kai Māori and rongoa? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got to thank the iwi and uh, the iwi authority and also uh, Department of Conservation because um, you know, if they didn't have programmes on... You know, clearing tracks and making sure that there's no possums, stoats, or anything that's going to, um, you know, pretty well get rid of uh, the wildlife, native, the native wildlife. Charles and I head into the ngahere. What I do for the rongo market is mainly for cuisine. Yeah. You know, so we really only have five to six um, different types of rongo products that we uh, utilise for cuisine, and one is kawakawa. Yeah. We. Um, Saw that kawakawa was a um, a wild herb. Yes. Okay. But also just wanted to have a look at how other cultures use their native native herbs and wild herbs um, in kai. Charles, it's, it's very quiet here. manu. Where are the birds? They're here. They're here. They're here. Well, hopefully we'll you hear know. them. We'll hear them. You will, because um, as soon as they start chirping, um, they're letting all the other manu look... Um, Telling them that somebody else is in the nahere. So, yeah, they're here. The further you go in, the better they, you know, the more that yeah. you will hear them, but they're here. Kapai, okay. kia ora. You know, we've, we've heard about up north and, and this issue with the Cody dieback. Does it affect um, other nahere? Not that, I, not that I know, because um, we don't get Cody here. Yeah, exactly. It's I was going to say. Yeah, yep. it's too cold. But within saying that as well... Uh, uh, up at Tupuia, there was a kaumātua that um, transplanted two kodi oh. from up north and planted them at um, in right smack in the middle of um, Tupuia. Yeah. And who would think that the geothermal and heat, okay, yeah. it thrives. It thrives, but everywhere else it won't grow because it's too cold. It's too cold. Yeah, and they're huge. Yeah, yeah, when I say huge, not as big as Tane Mahuta, but you know, one of us, uh, Timiriki. Yeah. yeah, anyway, but there's. Um, oh, let's talk about the rongoa. The rongoa is really becoming popular all over the country. Yeah, as we know, it's been a lot. It's been around for a long, long time. This is how I've seen it from the last time that we talked, Justine. Yeah. Was um, 
There weren't so many people that were uh, really interested in that, but now that we have Rungoa groups, and you know, there, there are a lot more of our people that are uh, going back to traditional medicines. Uh, and not only Rungoa as in um, what you take internally, but it's also externally on how you can use these types of Rungoa in creams and balms, you know, um, for health reasons yes. mainly, yeah, yeah. And kawakawa is a good example. It's uh, such a good example because there's so much of it out there. Things like sustainability. Everybody knows that it's everywhere because it's so prolific when it grows, especially on the coastal areas. Within the last five years, I also went down to places like Christchurch and Dunedin thinking, kawakawa won't grow down here because it's too cold. We got to um, Dunedin, it's actually in the botanical gardens there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you stick by and stand on the vine, otherwise you're not tripping Okay, so anyway, that's called Super Jack Vine, what we just stood on. Uh, Super Jack Vine, Pirita? Pirita. Or Kareao. Kareao. Mm, kareao is another word for it. Okay, and that's uh, Super Jack Vine. Back in the day, we used to use it for um, crayfish pots. Remember? Yep. Go round and now they use steel. Now just make a big crayfish pot out of it. Pickle pickle is a frond that can be eaten as a vegetable. Charles is very familiar with it. He collects and harvests it. He even cooks with it as part of his business. But he outlines that only a few can be consumed. There's over 312 different varieties of pickle pickle, but only seven are edible. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. a low percentage of 312. Wow. Exactly. Anyway. And the others are poison? Or? The others have carcinogenic properties, okay. mainly the um, the bracken and the, and the punga. The punga. Yeah, so that's another one that, uh, that's got um, carcinogenic properties. But in Japan, okay, they, they got the same variety as what we got here. It's called pew pew. If you have a look at, see that one there? They're all in the. Um, you might not see the difference. Did you hear that bird? Yes, I did actually. Mm-hmm. I did hear that, that was a, uh, that was a uh, kiruru. You would only hear it like when it starts, you know, flapping its flapping wings. Flapping wings, you'll be sitting up there watching it. See, so that's the, uh, the manu that's manu. They're out there, you just gotta <laughs> listen to things like that. Um, anyway, yeah, the ca- um, here it is here, the pretty divine. How the bush asparagus was a type of pickle pickle. And then some people later on would say, oh yeah, it's a Riccardi. So we started looking for this Riccardi pickle pickle and it didn't look like or taste like asparagus to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so then I realised what they were talking about. The Superjack vine, the tip of the Superjack one, see it on the end here? Oh yes, oh yeah, yeah, I see that. That looks like an asparagus, eh? Yeah, it does, it's very pointy, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll snap it. Okay, this is also energy food for Bushmen. Why? Because it's got a lot of liquid or juice in it. So when we snap it, okay. Oh, yeah, this is quite juicy at the end. Yeah, see how it's coming out. Anyway, you get the soft part, you peel it, or you can eat it whole. Okay. Okay. Should I bite it, or do you want to bite it? Here, you bite it. I'll bite it. Sorry, I just bite it. Bite the end, yeah. Yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah. Kind of got a slight taste of peas, fresh garden peas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's our uh, bush asparagus. Do you know what that is? 
this is sustainability. You know what this is? Is that harakiki? Uh, yeah, kind of. Tafara. Tafara. Yeah. Tafara. Okay, and see that piece in here? Yeah. It's a bit, over, a bit old now. Okay, this is the fruit. And the fruit, actually, what you do is that you go into the middle and you'd harvest the middle out, and the fruit of the tafara tastes like an overripe pear, but it looks like a leek. Charles is in the bush on most days. He also harvests plants for chefs around the country and overseas. I'm also looking at extending our our supply networks because yep. it's coming to a point now um, where we have to look at... Um, there's so much compliance kind of issues, red mm. tape, that you have to comply with. So, um, But to get bigger, that's what we've got to do, yep. you know, because it's all about sustainability. It's all about trying to create employment in underdeveloped communities. That's where I'm kind of heading now, and I just see it as a challenge. <laughs> being, uh, I've gotten this far, so I'm asked to carry on, and I'm still young enough to carry on. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, you're quite busy in the sense that you do your food tours, and what have you got planned for, for, for Matariki, Charles? Um, well, my biggest plan is I'm the supplier. Supplier. Yeah, I'm the supplier for all the ingredients that um, that these chefs want. Right. right. So, Matariki themed um, dinners that will be yep, yeah. hosted here in Rotorua nationwide. Um, in Rotorua, Princess Gate, of um, we've got a um, a degustation um, indigenous menu nice. at Princess Gate yeah. um, Hotel where they. Um, they use all our products. Uh, if they want me to come and do guest appearances or um, come and do talks or they want to do food tours, then they contact me and, yeah, I go in. If chefs want something particular, I go out of my way to get it. And the reason being is because it becomes a niche product. Mm. And niche products, you know, you, they charge, well, we charge a bit more mm. for, for niche products because it takes us a long time to get them. Get to get them. And, um... We can't get them every day, but when they're available, because we know what the seasons are, uh, we know where to go. And, nice. You know, yeah, so over the last five years I went to Shanghai and met we're up with a um, with a chef over there, and his biggest thing was tea. I thought to myself, well, the best way that you can get rungoa into somebody is through things like tea. Yeah, and um, so that's what I started looking at, kawakawa tea. Everybody knows about kawakawa tea. We come across small, light orange mushrooms growing on the side of a log. You've got to be really careful with fungus. It don't matter what. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of edible ones. Yeah, I can't really talk about them now. Mm. But we know which ones to pick and which ones not to pick. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to be really careful. But it's a superfood. And once again, there's no knowledge. There's nothing written about it. Now, I can't believe it. You know? Yet I'm quite sure that Māori would have, in the old days, would have harvested because it's a form of kai. So there's things like ear fungus, you know, ear fungus. There's nothing about ear fungus in, written down, and it wasn't until um, uh, I went to China and I visited this, um, this, this old Chinese lady who did uh, Chinese medicine. She had a um, premises where everybody made... All the workers cooked up different types of um, herbs to use for mm. medicine. And the, the, the most predominantly predominant one that they used was the hakeka, which is ear fungus or wood ear. Okay? It reduces blood pressure. 
Anyway, I'll tell you. Amazing. Amazing. In the 1800s, there was this guy came over from China, and his name was Tu Hong. And Tu Hong saw that all the ear fungus was growing wild in New Zealand over the Taranaki especially. He got all the locals to go out and harvest all the ear fungus. Okay. He became so wealthy. What was the ear fungus used as? This is how they, they'd do it, okay? You'd harvest it, then you would naturally dry it, which would take, um, out in the sun, maybe half a day, a day. It just dries, you know, like anything else that dries. Yeah. Okay, and it's hard and brittle, okay? But the secret is, when you rehydrate it, it comes back to how it is, okay? Yeah. Then they would slice it or chiffon out it really fine, cut it finely, put it into stir-fry. Wow. Yeah. So that's just another one. Okay, let's keep walking. Awesome. Okay. Have you heard of lichen? Lichen. Pukoko. Pukoko. Pukoko is lichen moss. Okay. Lichen moss, and you can look on the net, okay. Lichen moss is, um, is good for prostate cancer. So, um, and, there, and there's been a lot of scientific work on it, and it is all over um, the net. Wow, pukoko. Pukoko. Yeah, or lichen moss. And you'll see it. Yeah, you'll see it. It's like old man's, they call it old man's beard in the bush, in the ngahiri. So you still, um, in your spare time, Charles, you still love to to cook? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my number one. <laughs> <laughs> ever, since I, ever, since, ever since I can remember, yeah. it's always been something to do with kai. From when, cause I, same also, I come from a family of three boys. <laughs> I'm the middle boy. He was the big hunter-gatherer yeah. you know, back in the day. Not no more. Yeah, My younger brother, oh, he was spoiled. So I just thought, oh, well, I'll just um, hang out with mum in the kitchen. Because it was always warm. Yeah, my my, um, my first job was at the uh, local supermarket. No, I was only, what, eight, ten years old. Wow. Cleaning up the delicatessen when all the old ladies used to go home. And um, then the army thing, the recruiters came around. It just put me on a path to knowing heaps about food. And then I liked the bushcraft, going out in the bush. That was the other one, cooking in the bush. I excelled at cooking in the bush wow. in the army. Yeah, they would just, um, yeah, there would be like just two young fellas, 15-year-olds, that would go out cooking for like um, yeah, two, three hundred. I joined Slow Food years ago, Slow Food, World Slow Food Movement. It's all about the protection of artisan and indigenous foods. Yeah. Their philosophy was, if a culture loses its food identity, it's near impossible to get back. And that always stuck in my head, you know. And uh, now I see why. Convenience rules in today's society. <clears throat> and um, there's a lot of kind of, uh, put it this way, you pay the price if you spend too much time on convenience. Mm-hmm. You, know? you, you sure do. First of all, you lose your um, skills on how to cook. Yeah, everybody thinks it comes out of a packet. But um, if you want nutrition, you've got to get out there and either make a garden or go out there looking for it. After about an hour of walking into the forest, we take a small rest stop. Yep, so... We've got cocoa tea with a bit of manuka honey and a um, little piece of lemon in there just for the citrus taste. So nice. Never taste like that. A pint, cheers. Right, Modi order. Modi order. Yep. Oh, that's lovely. 
Monica mm. honey, lemon, kawakawa. Yep. See how just those little flavours there can make it a lot different than just having straight kawakawa. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's lovely. So these are the kind of things that we um we do. This is a kawakawa shortbread. Uh, well, oh, I'm allowed one of these. Mm. Oh, lovely. Mm. So these are the kind of things that you can. I've got some there for you to take home. That's very good. So this is Matafoda here. Okay. This is the uh, Damonia. Matafoda. Matafoda, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it goes right along from right there. And then I remember when I took these Kurawaiaroha people out there. Yep. Mother Komata was telling us that um, it's all burial sites all up on the top. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Mm. I don't go up there. Can you tell those birds? That's a familiar sound to me, but I just can't picture it at the moment. It's not a tiraraka, eh? It's not a native. Gee, I'm thinking of hitting in Melbourne at the moment and all this bird, mm. bird wayata. Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you? Yes. Magpie. Oh, God. <laughs> Trying to think of all these yeah. beautiful wayata for manu. In addition to the guided food tours or harvesting kai for chefs across the country, Charles also works with local Māori health organisation Korowai Aroha. He takes men who are suffering from physical or mental health issues on a guided food tour. But more than that, he says it's about giving those men a sense of reconnection back to Papatuanuku or to the environment. Well, since we last spoke, I did a, um, I met a guy by the name of Tracy Ormsby who sent me an email and he said to me, uh, Charles, we do a program for uh, men with health issues. This can be anything from heart disease through to diabetes, um, anything to do with, with health. So I said to him that I would, um, once a month, I would take men out for a walk and talk about all the um, medicinal side of the ngahiri and also the modi of the ngahiri as well because people forget about things like that which is I think is a very important part because once you start talking about things like modi and that you also start talking about the sustainability mm. of what we have as Rungawa too because if that goes well and that was all part of the program. This is what I've been showing these, um, these, these, these men. Mm. It's like look you can go in the bush you're not doing any harm to the bush, mm. and here's some kai, you know, and then they can't believe it. And it wow. actually gives them a lot more um, will to get better. We brought them out here. Well, Tracy, he was uh, the caregiver, and also uh, Storm. Then I'd give them a meal on, well, not so much a meal, like a, uh, a morning tea on the edge of the lake and, nice. and talk about our walk and um, and it was quite good too because then I would get a lot of stories from some of the Komatua from the area who would come along and they would also give their talk about um, the stories of the area of Hinehopu because everybody else they ain't from this area all think it's called Hongi's Track. It's a different world from all, what we were brought up. I can in. sense a book, Charles. I think <laughs> I can sense another yeah. book in the pipelines, yeah, maybe. I'd like to, yeah, yeah, I'd like to because um, it's that. I realise now that those last five years that in between when we last spoke, yeah. um, 
I've just picked up so much knowledge. And that's just not on the rongoa side and the cuisine side, but it's also things like um, passing the knowledge on, yeah. um, what I've learnt in the bush and you know, what, I, what I see how things grow and that. Um, you can't read these. You know, these. most of those kind of books were written in the 19th century, you know. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of our own people didn't even write these books, you know. It was just literature that somebody had taken notes on and, and then decided to just publish it what they yeah. either heard or yeah yeah know. without really even um experiencing it because like yeah it takes a long time to learn things like how plants and that grow and especially if you don't have any references I'm, I'm still learning and <laughs> i've only learned a little bit you know and i know it's pretty it's pretty big because um even a lot of the rongoa groups that I've worked with over the years, um, they're learning all the time. And um, and once again, I, I like going out with rongoa groups. At first, when I, you know, when my first rongoa group that I went out with, I actually felt a bit intimidated because I thought, oh my god, these <laughs> these people are going to know everything, and I'm only going to know just what they already know. <laughs> but it didn't work out like that, you know. It worked out. Man, I just learnt so much, and they wow. learnt so much as well. So, sharing that knowledge, um, I learnt is a uh, a big part of uh, you know, of, of what I do now. Kia ora, tēnei te mihinui kia koe, Chef Charles Royal. Part two of my tour with Charles is up next week, where he talks about sustainability. There's a good example of sustainability. You know, what we do is when we harvest, we do that. Another one that we look at is we watch the plant. Okay, if the plant is um, it's only got two fully grown fern leaves, okay, and another pickle pickle's coming up, we leave it. That's coming up next week. Koa ia, tātātou nei wahanga mō tēnei wiki. In the meantime, to get in touch with the show, you can email tiahika at rnz.co.nz, listen to the show or previous episodes at the webit page, rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, or you can subscribe to the podcast. Ko te manako ia, kia pai ai te haere o a koutou rā whakatā. Join Tiahika next Sunday. Hei kona mai. Thank you.
Ce bon.